the next episode of Nerd Flicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey, everybody! This is Nick, and this is Carrie, and we are Nerd Flicks and Chill. In this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about Captain Marvel, which has finally made its way uh, into theaters after much anticipation and lots of digital ink that's been spilled about this movie in the lead-up to the film finally coming out. Before we get into any of that, Carrie is back with us this week because she has been traveling. Carrie, where in the world are you? I am currently in Zagreb, Croatia. Uh Unfortunately, many, many hours north of Dubrovnik, where they film uh, Game of Thrones, specifically King's Landing. I wasn't able to get down there. Yeah, wasn't Dubrovnik also used in The Last Jedi? Yes, actually it was, uh, for that lovely casino sequence that we all love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they did some um, exterior shots uh, through the city there. And after Croatia, where are you off to next? Uh, I am off uh, back to Germany. This is our fifth and final week in Germany. I will be in Munich, Germany. And then after that, I will be spending three weeks in Italy. Awesome. Italy for three weeks. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, Yeah, I'll be having all the pasta, all the pizza, all the cannolis, all the coffee. Living your best life. Yeah. I'm going (laughs) to have carb coma, and I'm okay with that. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, um, nothing wrong with it as long as I can get over this creeping crud that I have had for what feels like months. All of us on the tour have been just passing around this awful sickness. Every time we go into a new country, it's like a new wave of funk starts happening. So yeah, (laughs) I've, I've got the Croatian funk right now. And I guess when you're traveling around with like a big touring group of people like that, it just keeps getting passed around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure it happens in um, catering. You know, you grab some tea or you grab the knife to cut some bread and you're just passing everything around. It's like I need to constantly have hand sanitizer. Every time I touch something, I need to swab everything down. <laughs> nice. Well, we've had a chance, both of us, to see Captain Marvel. Uh, you saw it on, I think, the Wednesday prior to its uh, premiere. I saw it on Thursday. And uh, I guess we should just kind of get into talking about it. What were your thoughts on Captain Marvel? I thought it was enjoyable. I thought it was good. I thought it was fine. I wasn't blown away by it. I didn't come out of there feeling um, inspired, like I can take on the world or something. But it was like, oh, that was fun. It was all right. And of course, it always boils down to my barometer of was it better than a DC movie? And that answer is yes. (laughs) Well, I mean, it will get some uh, natural comparisons to Wonder Woman. Um, I'm not sure, um, you know, how how to compare those two movies. Um, But I will say that for Captain Marvel, I think I ended up really liking this movie a lot. And a lot of it came from the second and third act more than I like the first act. I think the first act has a couple of clunky bits in it. But once it finds its footing, I think it's really, really a lot of fun. And I think Brie Larson really does a great job in kind of embodying the character of Captain Marvel. I think she crushes it. Mm. Uh, I think the the humor is really strong in it. Yeah. And I, I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's a, it's, 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 it's what I wanted it to be. Yeah. I, my, one of my biggest things that I was left with is, and, and I'm torn about it because I do like Brie Larson. 
However, I felt that in the final part of the film, I thought that she came across as really flat. I thought to me, she felt really flat actually for most of the film. And, and what I necessarily mean by that is that I didn't feel that there was any kind of a progression, that there was any kind of an arc within her performance. It, it, it was very subtle, but it wasn't enough that I, I don't know. I just, I just didn't feel any sense of power or anything from her that it, it wasn't that different than how she was at the beginning of the movie. It's like all of a sudden now she realizes the uh, immense power that's inside of her, but she's exactly the same. And I don't know, maybe that's the point. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I didn't feel that there was um an actual arc to her character. I didn't feel that she progressed from the beginning of the movie till the end. Hmm, interesting. I actually did I did find there to be some progression um in her character i actually really enjoy her performance i i'm but i maybe i'm biased because i'm an enormous brie larson fan i've been following yeah. her work a lot over the last few years and i just found like one of the things that i found most interesting and most compelling about this movie is it's an origin story and we've seen marvel do lots of origin stories over the past you know however many years 10 years now 11 years and i think the pitfalls of origin stories is that they can be a bit formulaic yeah. I actually think this one did a pretty good job of kind of sidestepping some of that normal formula and and kind of presenting it in a in a way that makes that origin story a bit more unique. So I was I was very happy to see that they didn't kind of follow that that kind of template that we've seen before. Yeah, I do really like um some of the story beats that hit with this. Um I didn't find uh, that any of the pacing was was too awkward or strange or had any kind of um, lulls that were too long where I was feeling bored or anything. I I I felt engaged the entire time. Um, I thought there were some nice twists and turns uh, with the plot, which I'm sure we will get into later. But um, yeah. yeah, I I guess just overall, I was like, no, it was it was good. But I you know I I didn't feel. Um, inspired or anything by it but it, it's still a it's a good movie yeah i i think that it's not great the, but it's good so i think within that story i think one of the things that makes this movie strong is that the story itself is very accessible i think a lot of people looked at this movie and this, they said this is marvel's first female superhero and i you know that it it for, it shouldn't. It, we should not be in a position where, as a society, we're having these conversations about representation and what kind of representation matters more than others. All representation matters. But I think that it, it ingrained in some people this sense that the story was only going to be accessible to women. Hmm. I think that became kind of this, like, natural, like... Uh, anxiety that arose around this movie, like as if Carol Danvers is going to like jump out of the screen and just throw tampons at the audience or something. Uh, <laughs> but but this story isn't like that. Yes, there are things here that I think will resonate more with the experiences of women. I think there there and it would be ridiculous to not assume that that those things are in there. But um, I think on the whole, 
the story itself is very accessible to everybody because there's so much in there about living within a system, living within a structure, you know, so much about the way the Cree have kind of trained and instilled conformity into Carol Danvers. And in her self-actualization, she learns to kind of, uh, to be her own person. And I think that that isn't, that, that is accessible to everybody. Yeah. I thought, uh, I thought the story was really good. Like I said, there were some great twists and turns in there. But I have to say, one of the things that I actually appreciate the most was that she didn't have a love interest. Right. They didn't have to throw that in there. This seems that any time there's a, a, um, a female character in the lead, there has to be some kind of romantic interest. And that wasn't there. I mean, they even did, they even threw that in with, um, Wonder Woman. And that was one of the things in Wonder Woman that I couldn't stand. I, I, I wish they didn't do that, but, um, I, I'm glad they didn't go there with this. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that I, I get kind of bored with romantic subplots anyway in a lot yeah. of movies. Um, to me, it's just, it just kind of reeks of like studio system. This is yep. what we need in there. We need a girl. We need a dog. We need a guy. We need tension. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's all that kind of stuff that I'm just not that interested in. But I do think you're right. This one stays very grounded and it is Carol Danvers' story. It's her story of self self-actualization. And some of the what I was really surprised by is the way some of the more dramatic moments of the film really worked for me. You know, when she is talking to um uh when she is uh talking to uh her friend back at their house and they're kind of reminiscing and it is her friend who tells her that, you know, what her value is and who she is and who the Carol Danvers is that she knows. Those moments like that really, really worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and they're I really, very human. And I really bought the friendship between the two of them as well. Yeah. No, I totally did as well. I really liked it a lot. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of good character work in there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I think a lot of the, the secondary and tertiary characters are, uh, a lot of fun to watch in this movie as well. I really like Ben Mendelsohn. Great to see him in this movie. Yeah. Uh, he seems to, and I kind of like the turn that they did with the scrolls. You know, I did too. And there was something, I don't know if I want to get into this just yet or if I should wait, but there was something that I was anticipating and something that I don't know if they're going to maybe put in their pocket for later. But there's something that I was anticipating that I thought they were going to end up doing towards the end of this movie that they didn't. Mm. Well, so let's I'll, talk I'll, about it. Oh, okay. Go for it. Um, well, I mean, the whole thing with the scrolls and being able to change shape and, uh, you know, assume another identity. Well, that whole thing after it wraps up and, you know, we, we find out about the scrolls and they're kind of sitting around the kitchen table and, um, I just lost my train of thought. They're sitting around the kitchen table and they're kind of discussing what's going to be happening. And the little girl is, you know, kind of asking if they're going to be staying there. Well, it's probably not safe for them to be here, especially with the way that they look. And um, uh, I thought for certain and, you know, they were talking about, oh, well, you know, I've got an idea for you or we'll help you and, you know, whatever. I thought for certain that they were going to assume another identity, another look. They were going to change their look. And I was waiting for it to be somebody that we recognize mm. from within the Marvel yeah. universe. But I know that it has to be somebody that they've seen before 
you know, I don't know, maybe it's a random person they saw on the street or something and it ends up being somebody that we're familiar with. I don't know. But um, I was kind of waiting for something like that. But then I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's something they could, you know, put in their pocket and, and, and cause I have a feeling we will see them again and we will see them in some kind of a form that maybe we've seen them before and we don't, we didn't know it. Right. Because I, this one takes place in the nineties. So it's possible. I kind of expected that as well. Like that mm. we would see some sort of like, you know, scroll infiltration and I feel like that the, the the way they did it by twisting them into being sympathetic characters, I think really does a, a good thing in that it saves them for future use. Yeah. Because I also feel like if you're going to introduce the scrolls into this Marvel Cinematic Universe, it really creates kind of a uh, a problem of skeptic- skepticism where yeah. you can be skeptical at that point of any character's behavior. Yeah. You know, because, ah, well, this person could be a scroll, or that person is, or this person, or that person. And I feel like that has to be handled in a way that's very, very careful. Yeah. Because you can just kind of inject this uh, skepticism into the cinematic universe, and you it, it threatens to kind of uh, crush it under its own weight. Yeah, but also, though, I kind of trust the way that Marvel has treated all of their storylines. Because yeah, they've, they've done a great job so far. They've done it with such care and they've been able to weave things really well. So I, I have no doubt that if they were to go that route, that it would be done really well. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, well, another thing that I think this movie gets really right are these little touches. There are little touches in this movie that it really nails. And one of them, just kind of right off the bat, is the uh, Marvel opening credits, that logo oh with gosh. Stan Lee, which was awesome. And the thank yeah. you, Stan, at the beginning. Great stuff there. Yeah. Um, also, you know, the idea of how Nick Fury lost his eye. Yeah. Juxtaposed to, like, how people in S.H.I.E.L.D. are telling all these stories about, you know, how he lost his eye, all these rumors. So he doesn't want to doesn't want to reveal that he lost it to a, to a scratch from an alien cat. Yeah. I like that kind of stuff, too. Uh, another great little touch is where the Avengers name comes from, mm-hmm. which I thought was really, really great. And my favorite one, the one that I that that I had a huge smile on my face for was the Stanley cameo. Oh, my gosh. I know it. That, yeah. Where he's actually reading the script to Mallrats. Yeah. And working on his lines. Uh, I was I was so happy when I saw that. Well, and so was Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith posted a picture of himself with tears in his eyes that he's like, it's just everything is like come full circle, you know, yeah. and how he grew up just idolizing Stan Lee and everything with that. And, you know, here now his work is being referenced in a Marvel film that yeah. he was just so overcome with emotion about it. I just thought that was really cool. And the line that he's practicing is the true believer line, right? Yeah. That he says to Jason Lee's character. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Another great touch, too, is that Carol Danvers uh, hasn't always been Captain Marvel. There's had a lot of different Captain Marvel origins, and 
Uh, they work another one of the Captain Marvels into the movie, and that being Maria Rambo's daughter, Monica Rambo, who was uh, Captain Marvel in an iteration before Carol Danvers was. Yep. So I thought that was really cool. And then, like, we always think about these little things, that, like, we always kind of obsess over them, like, you know, the superhero suits and, like, well, like, how did she go from the green suit into the Captain Marvel suit that we know? And it was really just a kind of a short, sweet scene between... Uh, Carol and Monica. I know. I wish you would have kept like the crazy neon colored one. I like that. That would have been pretty cool. <laughs> that would have been quite cool. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's just all these great little details in this movie that I that I really enjoyed. Um, I'd say that I do believe that I, my biggest criticism of it is there's a little bit of clunkiness kind of in the first act of this thing. Hmm. And um, I, I think that it, I to me it kind of resolves itself and the movie gets better as it goes. Um, again, I did react to it, I think, probably a little bit more strongly than you did. But um, I think that to me is my biggest criticism is it's just a little bit clunky in the beginning. It seemed to have some trouble finding its footing, you know, but but you're right. It, it Once it did, it really kind of took off. And um, yeah, it didn't it didn't necessarily bother me at all because. It was just at the very start. I think when there's things that get a little clunky, when they bother me is when they're maybe in the second or third act. And it's like, okay, how are they going to wrap this up? It feels like they don't even know. But when it's just getting started, it doesn't bother me so much. Like I don't expect everything to start off like a roller coaster, you know, right. for it to just to all of a sudden you're rushing downhill. Um so, yeah, it, it didn't bother me as much because it finally did find its footing and, and, and took off really well. Yeah, I I, um, I definitely agree with that. Uh, another thing that I really enjoy about this movie is the score. I really like the score uh, a lot more than I like it in uh, some of the other Marvel films. Marvel's always had kind of a, a somewhat of a, of a problem with the way their films are scored because they have so few memorable scores. Mm -hmm. Like, I can remember the, the two that I remember are the Avengers theme and the Guardians of the Galaxy theme. Those are the two that I most yeah. have in my head. But those are two very similar themes. They are, yeah. But this one had a really big, awesome uh, you know, score. The soundtrack is also great, too. Uh, but the, the, the composer is uh, Pinar Toprak, I believe is her name. Yeah, somebody that I wasn't familiar with. Right, right. And I think this is a... It's a she's going to get a whole lot more work. After the work she does here, because I think it's really strong. And uh, how do you feel about all the uh, juxtaposition of all the '90s music thrown in? I like it. I wish I kind of wish that in lieu of the uniform, Captain Marvel would just wear a Guns N' Roses T-shirt and just go around <laughs> kicking everybody's ass. Like that to me, that was cool. Would be awesome. Yeah, that would be kind of awesome. Yeah, I kind of liked her being a badass biker chick for just a little bit. I wish that would have lasted a little bit longer. Yeah, there's like there's lots of little winks and nods to. Um, you know, some of the, the different music of the nineties. I, I thought that was really, really cool. Blockbuster video, that you know, was of funny. course. So I like the way they kind of ground it in the nineties, uh, without making it overly, um, I don't know, overly saccharine. Yeah. I was really kind of torn. Um, I, I'm still am whether or not I actually liked the kind of music montage, there was the fight scene and they were playing the no doubt I'm just a girl. Yeah. It was to me it was almost a little too on the nose. And it was sure, like, I okay, I kind of like it, but I kind of don't. It kind of removes me from it a little bit because they did something very similar 
in Aquaman. And for me, it did not work in Aquaman at all. And I thought it was quite comical. Um, but with this one, it's like, oh, I'm torn. I, I, Yeah, it was almost a little bit too on the nose for me. Hmm, but I did like uh, the music during the credits from Hole. I really like oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that too. So, yeah, I, I, I think to me, ultimately, what this story kind of gets at as an origin story is this kind of hero's journey, but um, we're kind of piecing together the early parts of the hero's journey throughout the movie. And I think the bigger, bolder themes here are about, you know, conformity and finding oneself in a system and how constantly people are told that you have to kind of follow the rules. You have to do all the, you have to do things this certain way. You have to act in according to this manner. And only through that structure are you able to succeed. And this movie is about how you can go even higher and further and faster if you break out of that structure and kind of realize your own power and worth and all that good stuff. Yeah. Now, also, one of the other things that I really loved about this is Jude Law's character kind of tries to, to you know, teach Carol kind of as this kind of like, he's kind of this like mentor. Uh, but at the same time, he tries to tell her about controlling emotion. You know, controlling emotion, controlling emotion. And that to me is very... Um, is very patriarchal in a sense that that yeah. is rep- representative of like the the kind of thoughts of the patriarchy and misogynists out there that always accuse women of being too emotional. Yeah. Um, and and that part of it, uh, where she actually uses her emotion to her advantage. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and I so like I look at her as somewhat of a different character than like Steve Rogers, like Captain America. Like they're both captains, but Steve Rogers is more of the uh, kind of righteous, you know, do-gooder. I think Carol is more interested in kind of like, she's more like, I don't know, one of the, the writers of Captain Marvel described it as um, Steve Rogers gets up because it's the right thing to do. Carol Danvers gets up because fuck you, that's why. <laughs> I like that. And I think that actually that actually does shine through a little bit. Yeah, because she doesn't feel as 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 righteous in a way as Steve Rogers does. Yeah, like there is a there is a distinct difference between those characters. Yeah, I kind of wish I would have seen that. Um, I guess this is kind of ironic, given what the embodiment of her power is. But I kind of wish I would have seen that fire within her a little more, and not have it been relied so much on the CG. Like I think. I think she played it almost just a little too reserved and almost a little too internalized. And and that's what kind of gave me that flatness. I, I think I just would have liked to have seen more of that strength physically. Mm. And I don't okay. mean in like muscles or anything like that. I mean, just like in her, the way that she holds herself or her body or um, um, just the presence of it. Um, the physical embodiment of all that power, that fire within her. Cause like, I think she just played it a little too cool. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And I do love that whole moment where she kind of just goes binary and, you know, she's out there flying through spaceships, very similar to what Tony Stark did in the first Avengers movie. Yeah. Uh, she's there punching spaceships out of, you know, 
out of you know out into outer space. I love that kind of stuff. I love seeing her come into her own. I love seeing her. Uh, I I that that montage of her you know through all the times that she keeps getting up in her life after being knocked down. Uh, it was teed up in the trailers. Yeah. But to me, it still carried emotional weight for me. Like it still worked, even though I knew it was coming. Yeah. I would criticize the trailers for maybe showing that stuff in there because I do think it does kind of sap something from it. Uh, but but I feel like the trailers, discussing trailers for a thing are kind of a separate topic in terms of what they give away. And you and I have been down that road before. Oh, yeah. That's a whole other can of worms. Yeah. But I do love the way that that bit of visual storytelling was accomplished. Yeah. Now, of course, it's impossible not to look at Captain Marvel without thinking of Avengers Endgame and all the different stuff that's going on there. So let's talk a little bit about that mid-credits scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, it had been teed up throughout the film that you know that little pager that we saw Nick Fury had yep. uh, at the end of Avengers: Infinity War. Of course, that pager is here. It's been souped up a little bit. What did you think of that mid-credits scene where we see Captain Marvel meeting up with the rest of the gang? Well, what we were all discussing after we went and saw it, we're like, okay, so what kind of, we don't know what kind of modifications she made to it. Right. Um, And it makes me wonder, it's like, okay, where has she been? Because she has not aged. She looks exactly the same. So what, is she able to travel through different dimensions? Is she able to travel to, I guess, different universes where time travels um differently or time passes differently rather um so just that was the one thing with me was like okay where has she been Mm. so as i was thinking about this a few things came to mind and one of them is that i do believe they try to make her look a little bit older they give her a different haircut they give her a different suit Uh, i think they do try to play her age a little bit but even that said one thing that's shown is that she, if she, right, depending on where she is, maybe she's been out there, um, you know, on a planet near a black hole or something and like time relativity, who knows? Uh, but there are a few other things that like she's in a different suit. So that's a change. And also, we don't know how many times Nick Fury's used that pager. Because one could assume that he'll use it in the second Captain Marvel movie and then maybe the third. Yeah, I mean, there's no telling. I mean, um, I mean, it's obvious though that whenever it is used, you know, and she even told him strictly, it's so this is for emergencies only. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, I'm gonna be going off doing my own thing. This is emergencies only, and it's and and she's true to her word. You know, she right. gets that page, and it's like, okay, where is he? Right. Yeah. But here's the other thing that I found very strange about about that compared to the Avengers Endgame trailer that we saw. One of the things I noticed is that in that scene at the end of Captain Marvel, Captain America has a full beard and nowhere in Avengers Endgame is he bearded at all. Hmm. So I'm curious how much time is actually passing here because it almost looks like during um, during that post credit scene, it almost feels like the immediate aftermath because they are looking at death tolls coming in from all over the world. Right. So it almost looks like there's uh, there's some sort of time jump that's going to happen here. 
uh, in terms of, of the amount of time. So how does Captain Marvel figure into all that? Uh, also, there were some very keen-eyed people who were watching the Avengers Endgame trailer who, when they looked at some of the shots of the Avengers walking, they noticed certain gaps in between that they thought may have been... Oh, uh, uh, like they removed her. That Yeah, that Captain Marvel may have been in some of those scenes and digitally removed, which we've seen before. Trailers yeah. have done that historically. Yeah. So I think, to me, it... it it feels like a companion scene to what we saw at the end of Infinity War, but to me, it still raises more questions. Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily, we won't have to wait very long for those questions to be answered. That's very true. That's very true. Now, there was another really cool piece of this uh, from this past week, and that is that Disney had their investor call, and apparently uh, investors, some of them got to see some footage of Avengers Endgame. They also saw some stuff from uh, Star Wars Episode Nine, And apparently, and I don't know how accurate this is, but within the scene that was shown to uh, investors, it was a continuation, I think, of what we see in the post credit scene here. And one of the things that they clear up about where Captain Marvel's been the entire time is that she's she basically says to them I have been on planets that helping I've been helping on planets that don't have avengers. Oh. Basically saying you guys got this covered. I've been out trying to help other places. Yeah. I don't know how like what, you know, how all of that breaks down, but I think that is kind of an interesting way that they're going to try to to tie her into the overall story. Right. Hmm. But I think Thanos is about to get his ass kicked. Well, yeah. <laughs> now, I'll tell you one thing. Ooh, you know what? I, I wanted to save this for last because this is actually the one thing I hated most about this movie. Oh, There's okay. one scene I hate okay. about this movie. The final end credit scene. Okay. I felt like this was Marvel's way of just <laughs> saying, we've got you. You're a captive audience. We're now going to punch you in the face. Hmm. Like, I actually did not like this at all. Uh, basically, the end credit scene, all of you who have paid your money to see this movie and are now sitting through all of the end credits for some scrap that they're going to throw you, what do they do? They make you watch a cat vomit. Yeah. Oh, did not like. I thought it was funny. I didn't really think anything of it. Um... Yeah, it, it it didn't affect me enough to where I have any kind of hatred towards it. I was like, okay, that's funny. Whatever. <laughs> I think I like the idea of the mid credit scene and then just leaving after the mid credit scene because the end credit scenes offer nothing. No, they never do. What did you think of old Goose the Cat? Uh, I thought it was okay. I I I'm not familiar enough with like the the comic. I knew that he was an alien or whatever in the comic, um, although be it with a different name. But I I actually thought the whole thing between the scrolls just like yeah, get that thing away from me. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, so did I. And they're kind of like I, I do also love the idea of Samuel L. Jackson running down a hallway aiming a cat at people. Yeah, that was funny. It's pretty good. But the end credit scene, I did not enjoy it all. It's just like, here, watch this cat vomit up the Tesseract. Yeah. Thanks, Marvel fans. <laughs> so, yeah, all in all, I really enjoyed this film. 
Um, I, I think you liked it too. I think that kind of where we're at is I probably liked it a little bit more than you did. Yeah. Uh, but I am excited for this character to be in the Marvel universe. And I think it sets up a really great future for her. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I, it definitely, um, had me even more curious or excited for the Avengers Endgame, which uh, again, I'm glad we don't have to wait very long to see it. At least I hope I don't have to. I think I will be in. I think I'll be in Bulgaria when it comes oh, wow. out. So, uh, yeah, we were discussing this uh, when we saw the movie, when we saw Captain Marvel. Like, okay, where are we going to be? Oh, I think we're in Bulgaria. Yeah, I'm not sure if we're going to find a theater. <laughs> yeah. So, um, hopefully, I'll be able to see it. Um, but, yeah, like with this one, I got to see it, strangely enough, in Croatia before it actually really came out and it was in English just with Croatian subtitles. That's wow. It was subtitles, huh? Yeah. It had Croatian subtitles. It was weird because the movie was in 3d. We, we saw it in this. I don't even remember what the type of theater it was, but we, we got the gold, the gold level treatment, apparently what it was. So we were in these really comfy, huge recliners that almost like went completely flat and there was food service that was included in our ticket. And there was um, bottles of, I think, Schweppes or whatever it was that were at the table or at our little seating area already. And it was actually quite fancy. It was really nice. But, um, yeah, I have no idea what I will come across in Bulgaria when <laughs> Avengers comes out. Well, it's going to be exciting nevertheless. I mean... Yeah. This is the first Marvel film that we've seen since Ant-Man and the Wasp. So this is one of the largest gaps that we've had in between Marvel films. And now it's going to kind of all ramp right back up again. So it's pretty exciting. I think one of the things that's going to be really, really crazy is the weekend that Avengers Endgame comes out. Oh my gosh. That is also going to align with the third episode of season eight of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Which is looking like it's going to be this big battle that they're going to be uh, going through in that seat, that is going to be a killer weekend to be at the movies or in front of your TV screens, uh, just kind of absorbing all of this epic storytelling. I know, and it's stressing me out because I don't know if I'm going to be able to participate in it. <laughs> well, we'll get it figured out one way or the other. Oh yeah, come hell or high water, I will. I will figure it out. <laughs> All right, so you guys have heard our thoughts on Captain Marvel, but we'd like to hear yours as well. So hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at NerdflixChill. You can also check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you are listening on one of those platforms, go ahead and throw us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate that. Also, you can find all of our new episodes at lrmonline.com. You can also find a really, really great um, network of podcasts on LRM's website from Los Fanboys to uh, Comic Source. Lots of great stuff on there, so check out those shows as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time, may the Force be with you, because the night is dark and full of terrors.